In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today in our sermon time, I really just have one goal in mind, and that is that you would know that God's message of love and forgiveness and purpose is for you. It's for you. Now, the reason why I say this up front, and I'll say it multiple times through our sermon time here this morning, is because we have interesting ways in our broken world and in our sinful lives of assuming that that is not the case for us. We have objections uh, to this in our lives, whether it's things that we have suffered from uh, or failings that we have or just uh, an impression of ourselves that has been given to us by other people. We have objections uh, where we think, well, God couldn't possibly be talking to me. And I want to walk through briefly with you a few of those objections and what God's Word actually has to say about it. So the first objection uh, I think that we run into is, uh, could be summarized in the phrase, I don't matter. I don't matter. Uh, last Sunday, I had the privilege of doing uh, a Bible study three different times with three different groups <laughs> on talking about um, being in middle school, right, and what God has uh, in store for us, what his calling to us is. And one of the things that we talked about was fascinating. I, I reviewed middle school years with our adult Bible class. Uh, and so people may be looking back 30, 40 years uh, in their lives. I did it with our Power of Gospel youth group that were mostly in middle school at the time. And I did it with our Sunday night uh, St. Michael's youth group uh, as well. And I found a theme across the whole thing is this idea of rejection. Now, you can always have rejection in life before middle school, but for some reason at that stage in our lives when we are developing, um, it just hits us in very profound ways and it can dig deep in us. And that rejection can be uh, from friends, or from groups of people. It could be from a love interest. I know at middle school you're not supposed to be into that, but you are, right? It could be from that. It could be from a teacher or a coach. Um, rejection is experienced in all kinds of ways. And, you know, as we grow and learn different things, we might handle our rejections differently. But one thread that we, we realize is you don't, you don't grow out of rejection. Throughout our lives, we still experience it, whether that's criticism from somebody you know, uh, telling us that or, or being ignored by people when we've kind of tried to reach out to them in some way. We experience this sense of rejection in our lives, every one of us. And uh, it's easy to go from that to I don't matter. And if you've been, had enough rejection of an, as an experience in your life, it's easy to assume that that is also the case with God, that you don't matter to Him. Well, in the first reading that we just had, Luke 2, God has come to his creation. He is doing a new thing. He is overturning the way of the world completely. Who needs to get this message? Well, who would the important people be? If you're in the Roman world, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to go to the emperor and you're going to tell him, and if you get the message to him, then it will get out. Is that where the angels go? No. If you're a faithful Israelite, and you think, where is God working? 
then you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to go to the temple and you're going to talk to the priests, you know, with their flowing robes and their hoity-toitiness or the religious leaders or people who speak well, right, or have influence, the influencers in their society. Is that where the angels go? No. They go to shepherds, and, and we've heard this scripture so many times over the years that it sounds kind of like sweet. Oh, the shepherds watching their flocks by night. Shepherds are lowly positions. Do you guys remember King David before he was King David? He's the youngest of his brothers, and they're all doing the important war stuff. And what she, uh, what's David doing? Watching the sheep, because it's the job nobody else wants. And so the shepherds in Jesus' day are the people who don't really matter. They're out kind of doing their own thing. They, they tend not to be around where everybody else is. Sometimes they're untrustworthy to people because whose sheep are they watching and what are they up to? They are the ones who don't matter, and they are the ones that God brings the message to. God's message of love, forgiveness, and purpose is for you. Another objection we might have uh, is that you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You know, there's, there are things that we all experience in our lives, whether we have suffered uh, in various ways from, at the hands of others or uh, sins that hit us very deeply uh, that we are ashamed of. And we think if someone knew, if, if anyone knew this, it'd be all over for me. I heard someone one time say, uh, we're all three days away from tabloid news and some of us are on day two, right? We all are in this space. And so we might think, well, you, God, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've experienced, right? There's a, there's a, a thought that we can have and it, it's not, I mean, sometimes we avoid it, but a lot of us, it doesn't really matter as measurement against other people. It's just, you don't know what I've done. I am beyond the pale for what God could want to say to me. Well, I've, I was thinking of this this last week as I was reading through Matthew 9. And I just want to read it for you here. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Matthew is a person who everyone knows what he's done because he has betrayed his own people. He is working for the Roman Empire and occupying an unwanted force, and he's gathering taxes for them against his own brothers, right? Against his fellow Jews. And so when Jesus calls, now keep in mind, Jesus doesn't just go to him and say, it's okay, I forgive you. <laughs> he calls him to be one of the 12 disciples. He should be disqualified by everyone's measurement, right? You know what I've done. God would not have a word for me. And Jesus comes to him and says, come and follow me. God's message of love and forgiveness and purpose is for you. 
Another objection we might give to God, and I think it happens a lot for us here in the church, is we might say that I have squandered the gift. I've squandered the gift. What I mean is that as the church, and I don't just mean St. Michael's, I just mean like as Christianity, as the church, in various forms and at various times, we have a weird way of doing a bait and switch with God's good news, right? We talk about getting good news out to those people out there, and then once you come in, what do we sometimes do, explicitly or implicitly? Well, you got to start shaping up. You need to start bearing some fruit, right? You need to show that you're worthy of this call from the Lord. And we just turn it around. And sometimes we have this tendency. I mean, we may not always do it explicitly, but sometimes it's just kind of uh, an expected thing that's unsaid that, well, God's message of grace is for people out there, but now that I'm in here, I got to start, you know, behaving myself or something as if God's message of grace isn't for you and me every single day of our lives, as if the message of grace is without strings attached, right? As if we have to add anything to Jesus. And I heard someone once say, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. And so we can be tempted to think, well, I'm squandering my gift because I've been in the church maybe my whole life or maybe for so many years, and I'm just, I'm not doing enough with it, or I've screwed it up in some way, right? And it makes me always think of Peter, Because Peter definitely squanders his gift from Jesus. Peter has spent three years with Jesus, not just as one of the 12, but as like that inner circle, the closest of the close with Jesus, three years of ministry with him. And he has seen unbelievable things that you and I have not seen and heard. And you should expect better from him, right? He should know better. But when Jesus is arrested... Peter denies him. Not just that I was one of the 12. Peter, I mean, some translations makes it sound like Peter says, I don't even know who you're talking about. Like, how could anyone not know who Jesus is at this point? And this is what Peter does. He denies his Lord. He squanders the gift that is his. And you would think that would be enough. He's out. But in John 21, we read, when they had finished eating, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus is asking the question from Peter, but Peter and you and I know the answer to that question from Jesus. Jesus loves Peter. Even in the midst of Peter denying his Lord, Jesus could not deny Peter because he couldn't deny himself, as St. Paul says. And so when we are in these spaces of life where we think, man, I have squandered the gift, God does not have a word for me, I want you to know that God's message of love, forgiveness, and purpose is for you, for you. One last objection, and I swear I'll stop making objections to the Lord here. 
The last one I think I always, and I've heard this many times in my life, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. I think I've shared with some of you a story I had with, I was at a friend's wedding, and I was staying with his uh, brother-in-law, and I could tell he had some issues with uh, Christian faith, and he kept, wanted to let me have it. So we started talking a little bit, and that wasn't getting us anywhere. So I shared a little bit with him about uh, Paul's conversion, right? How Saul had been against God's people, and then Jesus knocked him off his high horse and, and made him a follower. And you know what this man said to me? He's, he was in his late 30s. He said, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. In his late 30s. Now, just this last week, I baptized a man who's 91 years old. God does not answer to time. God does not answer to anything. He's almighty. It is never too late. And in fact, uh, whether that's for you or for, I'm thinking in this group, much more maybe someone in your life that you were thinking of that has this attitude, it's too late for me, you don't know. All, the, all of those things wrapped together, we've already talked about, all wrapped into this is too late, as if God is uh, answering to time. It's never too late. In fact, one of the beautiful passages that we read right after the Christmas season is the story of Simeon and Anna who are waiting at the temple. And Jesus' parents bring him, after he's been born, obviously, they bring him to dedicate him as the firstborn. And there are these two individuals in particular that are highlighted for us in Luke's gospel, Simeon and Anna. Now, we don't know how old Simeon is, but Anna's in her 80s. And they both are described as people who've been waiting around for quite a while to see God fulfill his promise. And you kind of wonder about the regular attendees at temple saying, like, how much longer are these guys going to wait? You know, if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. Isn't that what we always say about things in life? If, it's not, if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen now. And yet God is faithful to his promise. And Jesus does come. And Simeon and Anna give praise to God. In fact, Simeon says, Lord, now you can dismiss your servant in peace. Right? It is never too late. It's never too late. It, the people are never too stuck. The situations are never beyond repair because God is almighty. And his message of love and forgiveness and purpose is for you. And it's for people that you know and care about in your lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.